Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, Building Faith and Friendship. The reading this morning is from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 7 to 21. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. According to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you which are your glory. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Jill. Um, Shall we just come to the Lord in prayer? Father, we pray now that you would allow your spirit to enlighten that word to our hearts. And and that, Lord God, that having heard your word and having allowed it to drop into our hearts, that we would be moved and we would be changed by it. Amen. Got a question for you this morning. Are you rich? All right, I I don't want to borrow a few, Bob. Well, I might do. A few, Bob. Are you rich? My father-in-law used to say that as long as he had a couple of Bob in his pocket, now we tell how long ago we're talking, that he could jingle around in his pocket, he was rich. Mind you, my father-in-law could always end up the week with more money than he started at the beginning of the week, and nobody ever quite understood how that happened. According to statistics, you are in the top 1% of global rich people. Wait for this. How much do you think you'd need to have? Come on, you can talk to me. To be in the top 1% of the world. Hmm? A billion. You're you're wrong. All you need to have is £2,355 per year, including your property. 
taken as an average. And that top 1% owns 48% of the world's wealth. It's a horrendous statistic. And if you're in the bottom 50%, you've got, wait for this, because this is an experiment for you now, you can try it tomorrow. You've got £1.61 a day to live on. It's horrendous, isn't it? So are you rich? Well, I guess by those statistics, we're all very rich. But, but of course, it's, it's the, old, um, the old thing, isn't it? You know, if your expenditure is 99 pence, to put it in modern parlance, and you have a pound, you're rich, because you've got a bit left over. On the other hand... I'm misquoting Dickens wildly here, but if you've got expenditure of one pound and one penny, and you've only got a pound, you're in trouble. And Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell through your heart through faith. Now, this was a, a circular letter, a round robin to the churches. And it was intended to encourage the faithful in Christ, who were, I've got to say, not well off. And they are mostly Gentiles, they are mostly new in the faith, and they had got very downhearted not going to ask you to tell me, but, uh, you know, I guess there are not many people who've not at some time been downhearted at what's going on in either in their Christian life or in the lives of others. And, and you know, it's so often the case, isn't it? Something goes wrong, perhaps in a relationship, maybe with a partner, with a, with a daughter and a mother or, or with... Um, within the church and we get discouraged. Um, maybe we've put a lot of work into something in the church. Maybe we've put a lot of effort into attracting someone new into the church and it all goes pear-shaped. And we get discouraged. And we say, all right, that's it. I, I, I remember dear old Billy Rutter, who, of course, uh, uh, pastored here. And, and more than once, I've seen Billy knocking on the door in Abertillery when he was there. And I could see him coming in through the door. Morning, Mr. Rutter. Oh, that's it. That's it. It's all oh, oh, That's it. That's it. And I'd say to him, come on now, Bill. Cup of tea, I think. And, and generally, the matter was resolved. Tell you what, the spiritual ministry of tea is not to be overestimated. And these people were discouraged. And, and you know, we need to remember that for you, a pastor, Mike, you know, it's, it's, it's important that we encourage one another, isn't it? So very important. And Paul takes them back to basics. And in chapter 1, he says this to them. 
he says, I want you to remember that you were included in Christ from the moment that you heard the word of truth. You were in Christ. Because these were people who had been outside of Christ because they were Gentiles. And he says, having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promise Holy Spirit. They are stamped with Jesus. They've got a hallmark on them. You know, we, when we go to buy some precious item, gold or silver, we look for the hallmark. A number of years ago, um, like lots of you, you know, we had bits and pieces of, of gold around the house. You know the sort of thing that you inherit from great auntie, somebody or another, you know. Um, and and we, we found a, a craft workshop and they would remake um, those bits of gold into a new item. And when it was made into the new item, it had to go to Birmingham to be assayed because it was a brand new piece and it needed to have the hallmark upon it. And that's exactly what Jesus does in us. The minute we hear the word of truth, we have the hallmark of Jesus. And in chapter 2, he reminds them that at that time, you were separate from Christ. You weren't part of Christ, but now you are. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel. You were foreigners to the covenant of the promise, but now in Christ Jesus, you have been brought near. He has made the two groups one. He himself is our peace. Paul says, don't be discouraged. Remember who you are. And in that one magnificent act, Jesus breaks down the walls of enmity, the fractured humanity. And you know, the Gentiles, they were total, total outsiders. They would not have been allowed to worship God. But through the gospel, they've become one with Christ. And, you know, Paul emphasizes the fact that it's not, not anything that you've done. It's the sovereign work of Jesus who's brought you together. And isn't it a shame that so often we, in our relationships within the church and with others, that we try to erect those walls all over again. Um, you know, we are quick to take offense, we are quick to hold grudges, and those walls go back up. And Paul is writing this letter from prison. And I have to say that if I was in a rat-infested prison, I would not be terribly happy. In fact, I would be terribly Unhappy, I, screaming, dancing, very unhappy uh, is, is how I would be. But you know, he doesn't focus on his loss of freedom. 
He doesn't focus on what it's like. Instead, Paul says, I am so privileged. I am so privileged because God has entrusted me with bringing the message of the gospel to the Gentiles. And um, he says, I, I just don't want you to be upset. He says, I became a servant of this gospel, although I am the least of the least. And, and he says, I ask you, do not be discouraged because of my sufferings. That, that really is great. And Paul says that the reason I can say this is because my God, out of his riches, will supply everything I need. And, and then he, he goes on to say that the, it's the church, which is the focus of Paul's message, which is part of God's plan and purpose. In 1 Corinthians, he refers to the the average church congregation. He says, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many of noble births. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak to shame the strong. It's almost as if God's gone into the shop and switched the labels. And so Aldi and Little are now Harrods. And, and it's almost as if Paul is saying, so what sort of church are you? Are you a little church? Cheap bargains or are you a Harrods church because God wants us to be Harrods right God our father is rich there are no cut price bargains with God and isn't it about time you know that we started to behave like the Harrods church Think about how a Harrods church would behave. Harrods church has got all the luxury items, all the riches at our disposal. Aldi churches, with all due respect to Aldi's and Liddles, hope there's nobody who works for them here, um, but Aldi and Little churches struggle along. It's the cheapest, it's managing. And God wants us to be a Harrods church. Perhaps you ought to have a sign-up sign. You know, come to the Harrods church. If that's not plagiarism or something. God chose his church, says Paul, born on the day of Pentecost. And peopled with all of these not many wise, not many bright, not many rich, not certainly not many noble, to proclaim the good news of the gospel. That's who we are today. We have a job to do, to proclaim the gospel. 
And not just to proclaim the gospel to the cycle enthusiasts out there, but to proclaim the gospel, Paul says, to the rulers, to the authorities, in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose. Every time we praise God, we are declaring his praise and glory to the heavenly realms. The enemy is not happy when he hears Christians who are in difficulty praising God. Satan was not happy when Paul was in prison and Paul was praising God and Paul was saying, don't be discouraged, this is for your glory. And, and Paul, Paul says, you know, he does this in a church that's made up of vulnerable individuals and we are all a bit faulty somewhere inside. You know, when you think of it, you know, God has got enormous faith in his church that he could leave it to us. Yeah? You know, you think of it, you know. Um, that was a terrific act of faith to think that he could leave it to Peter and the other disciples. And God has left his church in our care under his authority to proclaim the gospel to the people out there but also to the rulers and to the authorities because God in us is the hope of glory. So Paul's um, answer to discouragement is to look at Jesus. Now, um, before, before I retired, I, I was in charge of a special needs unit. So um, um, we, we had the sons and daughters of gentlemen there, I think it's, it's fair to say. Um, and Friday morning was RE lesson. And uh, the kids knew very well that, that, you know, that she was going to, you know, do her bit again. And, and one Friday morning, there was a young lad there, and I'd, I'd obviously asked a leading question, and young Ian shouts out, because they didn't put hands up, Ian shouts, it's Jesus, miss. And I said, well done, Ian, you've listened very well. No, miss, didn't listen, he said. With you, the answer's always Jesus. And with Paul, the answer is always Jesus. He says, go back to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Don't focus on your discouragements, but focus on the riches of Christ. And, and Paul says that, that he has come to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean unsearchable that you can never find them, you know, because some people are tempted to think that. But unsearchable means that we can never get to the end of them. The word apparently means um, something that you cannot ever totally map out totally track God is so infinite 
And his resources are so vast and so wide that we can never, ever get to the end of them. And Paul says, because of his great love, God is rich in mercy. That's a richness that we can all do with. Do you know, I, um, we, we had a dear old lady in our church, Gwen, and um, uh, I picked up her old Bible. And right at the back of that Bible, she'd written down things that she'd learned in the Bible study. Now, Gwen was uh, 97 when she died. Great, great lady. And she'd written that grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. And that is giving me what I don't deserve. And mercy, she had written, is not giving me what I do deserve. Interesting thought. I don't even remember ever, ever talking about the mercy bit, but obviously somebody had, and Gwen had written it down. And so Paul says, God who is rich in mercy made us alive in Christ so that in the coming ages he might show us the incomparable riches of his grace. We've got riches now, we've got riches to come. So when Paul speaks to churches who are not rich and who are struggling, and they are struggling in the faith, he says, dig deep down into the riches that are Christ's because they are there for us. And there's more to come. You know, I started to think about these riches. There's, there's the fact that God's riches lead us to repentance. God's riches give us forgiveness. God's riches today give us new life in him. God's riches today give us the gift of the Holy Spirit, that mark of the Holy Spirit that was on us the moment we believed. God's riches today give us every spiritual blessing in Christ. You notice Paul says, everyone, not just a couple, but every spiritual blessing in Christ. And you know, unlike my bank balance, at the moment I'm having work done on the roof, and I'm, I'm dreading to think what the bill's going to be. I've got enough scaffolding there to go around Wembley Stadium, I'm sure. But, and, there, and I keep saying to the builder, he says, well, I found a little hole, and I say, yes, well, there's a bigger hole, and it's the one that's, that's in my bank balance, Tony, you know. But we can never, ever make a hole in the riches that are God's bank balance. Doesn't matter how much we dig in. And, and you know, throughout this, this letter to the Ephesians, Paul keeps saying, I pray that your hearts may be enlightened. Are your hearts enlightened today that you know 
the hope that he's called you to, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Who are his holy people? We are. Do you know that you are beneficiaries of God's will and purpose? Do you know that God wants to give you all of the riches at his disposal? Because, you know, the, the thing is that, that, that we need to know we're rich, don't we? You know, father-in-law with his couple of bob jingling in his pocket was rich because there was, there was money there. Do you know today, do I know how rich we are in the spirit? In the book of Revelation, um, there are seven churches referred to, aren't there? And two of them in particular um, are singled out because of richness and poverty. Um, to the church in Smyrna, um, he says, I know your afflictions and your poverty. I know you're a really poor church. And, and it was a poor church because it was, Smyrna was, is the modern Izmir in Turkey. Third most populated city. But the church was troubled and poor because they refused to worship the emperor. And because they refused to worship the emperor, they were not allowed into the city. They were not allowed to sell and buy. They were not allowed to trade. They were literally living in rags because they said we can only worship God. And, and in Hebrews 10, we read about them, it's believed, you suffered along with those in prison and joyfully, um, joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. This is believed to be this particular church because you knew you had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. This church was, was materially very, very poor. People were in rags. And yet, the Spirit says to the church, but you are rich. And then there was Laodicea. And materially, this was extremely rich. Um, they were so rich that when there was an earthquake in Laodicea, they were able to rebuild the entire city without help from Rome. They, they certainly didn't need a fund. And this is what the Spirit says to them. You say, I am rich. You say, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. So buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich. And white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see I know your deeds, you are neither hot nor cold, and I wish you were one or the other. And so because you are lukewarm, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. 
Materially, they were so rich, and their richness had come from Aisalv, which is why the Spirit says, buy from me salv, but of a different sort, and also because they were renowned for purple dye, extremely expensive, suitable only for the emperor. And the question to us today is, we all know what our, our financial bank balance is, I guess, and it may not be what we wish it were. But the more important thing is, what's your spiritual bank balance like today? Are you in debit? Or is there credit in the bank? You know, so many of us, don't we? We run on empty because we don't dig into the riches of Christ. You know, we, we, we all do it. We, we think we can manage can manage this on my own. And Jesus is saying all the time, dig into the richness of Christ. Dig into those riches. And listen how Paul uh, ends up this particular chapter. He says this, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name, and I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power. Do you need strength today? Because lots of us do. And Paul is praying today, I pray that he may strengthen you because his strength will not fail. And he also says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Have you got your roots down into Jesus? Because I tell you what, that is so very, very important. To get those roots down into Jesus. You know, um, behind the house there's a, there's a woodland. And uh, I guess about 25 years ago we planted oaks. They were tiddly little things, but that big. And they each came with a little pink plastic shelter. 25 years on, there are no pink plastic shelters, and the oaks are there, and they're producing acorns. And I, I think this is very much the picture that Paul has got. Get your roots down and become oaks. Because that's... And, you know, those, those trees... This is Abbotsleary now. This is not soft Abergavenny. You know, I mean, we're up on the top of a hill. You know, the wind blows, trust me, on this one. Um, um, by golly, I, I, you know, I come to Abergavenny and I'm taking off the winter coat and, you know, because the sun always shines down here, doesn't it, you know. Um, Paul says, get your roots down into Jesus. And when you get your roots down into Jesus... Christ can dwell within you. Um, and that word dwell that he uses isn't just an overnight guest. It's a permanent resident. You know, um, I've had my, uh, my new uh, election forms, you know, to register for the election. And I've done them, Clive. You'd be very impressed with me. And I only have to write down the names of those who are resident permanently in the house. Not an overnight guest, 
but the permanent residence. And the question is here that Paul is saying, is Jesus a permanent resident with you? Not an overnight guest, not a, you know, not come and stay for a bit. Jesus wants to be that permanent guest. And he says, then I pray that you might grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love so that you may be filled to the fullness of the measure of God. And our prayer is today that as we dig down deep into all that God has for us, as we, as we spend his riches, that's a lovely thought, isn't it? You know, spend somebody else's bank balance. You know? And that's what God wants us to do. Spend my bank balance, he says. Then we might know the fullness of God today. Amen. Father God, we pray now today that as we rest in you, as we trust in you, as we put our roots down deeper into you, that you would keep your promise to us, that we might know the measure of all the fullness of Christ. Amen.